With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. One, two, one, two. Yes, sir. We are back. Another edition of the GYGB Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Roberto Flack. We got my man, ROD, in the building. What is good? What's going on, my man? How's everything? Or let me do it to bust a rhyme. What's going on, my man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, man. So, you know, we've been, uh, I mean, well, we, we got some fights actually this weekend, you know, which is kind of uh, out of the norm so much is what we've been used to, at least like coming from last year into this year where the last couple months have been kind of stagnant. You know, I think we're starting now to like hit that curve and you know what a way to start that curve with uh, the return of Andre Ward as he is facing Sullivan Barrera this weekend which we will um we'll get into in uh, in a few moments but uh, uh we're, we are uh we're, we're now in the springtime I think we're, a lot of fights are going to be popping up now uh but before we get to that there's um some news that were that was popping up from last week into this week concerning some uh, fights materializing and things of that nature. Not going to be a super long show today. Got two fights this weekend. We're going to be discussing, um, getting you know everybody you know our opinions out as far as uh, what we think will transpire over the weekend. But um, with the talks of fighters looking for fights, uh, one name that has kind of uh, been at the helm of, uh, you know, when we talk about fighters looking for fights, there was a report today uh, concerning Miguel Cotto. Now, there's, uh, for the last few weeks, there's been talks about names such as Ruslan Provotnikov, uh, names such as James Kirkland. And, you know, these are names that a lot of the general boxing fans are kind of like, you know, tongue-in-cheek type of deal. But... It was reported today that HBO uh, was, I guess there's some type, some interest in a fight between um, Miguel Cotto and Kell Brook, who we're going to be seeing this weekend uh, defend his title. So I don't know if you want to shed a little light on that and maybe ROD, what you think of that potential fight, because we don't even know about, you know, because when we talk about fights concerning Miguel Cotto, I think in this day and age we have to start talking about weight because similar to Canelo Alvarez, we don't know what weight Miguel Cotto is really fighting at these days. So uh, what do you think about those talks or a potential fight uh, in the summer for what they're, I guess they're looking for? Yeah, I mean, when I think the question is, well, I'll answer your question first. What do I think about it? You know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really think too much into it, only because, again, you know, I was just talking to this gentleman at my job, and we were just talking about how, you know, the smoke and mirrors, when you talk about a Miguel Cotto uh, type of individual, like, you know, when everybody
everybody said, oh, he's back after he fought, um, after he hired Freddie as a trainer mm-hmm. and he beat Martinez and things of that caliber. But a lot of those fighters were, were pretty much, you know, damaged goods. Um, when I think about this fight and what you're saying, the problem I have with it is just what you ended the conversation on. What weight is Miguel Cotto? Mm-hmm. You know, and what weight will he be fighting in his next fight? You know, right? Um, I mean, Kel Brook is going to have to get past, obviously, this weekend. But again, you know, here here we are again. You know, where you know, I think the fight does more for Kel Brook um, in that perspective. But you know, the smoke and mirrors could be that hey, you know. You know, Miguel Cotto comes in here and he and he he suckers Kell Brook into like a catchweight, something Kell Brook is not comfortable with. And mm-hmm. Miguel Cotto is doing his bull shark thing. You know what I mean by bull shark? You know when you know when I mention bull shark, you know these guys are you know are accustomed to swimming in salt water and in fresh water. You know, so Miguel Cotto's like fluctuating up and down in weights. He's been there before. He he can go anywhere from. Here to there, we've never seen how Kelbrook fights outside of, you know, being a welterweight. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, isn't it an intriguing fight? You know, yeah, I think it does. I think it does good on both ends. It makes Miguel Cotto come out of that um, proverbial cemetery, and now he's back all of a sudden. You know, it makes Kelbrook look like a world beater. You know, so. It's an intriguing fight for both of them to have resume food, but is it an intriguing fight for us to see as fans? Uh, nah, I think we'd rather see Mikel Brook kind of take those belts and unify it and fight people mm-hmm. within the division. And um, to be honest, I think most of us, majority of us, although Miguel Cotto had a interest, had a you know a good show for himself um, against Cano, what most believe, you know, I, I it, you know it remains to be seen if if you know he could really fight competitively for for the rest of his career at least for at least for me you know i don't know if we could see if we can get more out of miguel cotto at this point so that that, that would be it but go ahead no i agree i mean i agree with that i mean i i think he's in a position right now where um even based on an interview today with bob arum when they mentioned Juan will marcus cuz that's been kind of the name floating around and and you know you look at both of those guys and you know they're both high-profile fighters who ironically have never fought, you know, but that obviously is due to um, Cotto being at a, at a weight at a certain time and Marquez being at a weight at a certain time. And from what Bob Arum said today, uh, you know, they, they, they asked him, like, you know, what's the deal with this, you know, potential Cotto-Marquez fight? He's like, don't even think about it. Um, you know, we don't even know if Marquez is going to be healthy enough to fight out, like, a, a, a tune-up fight, let alone fight somebody like Cotto. And I, I'm kind of starting to think that Cotto's team understands that now. And, you know, I haven't really heard them talk about Marquez much. Uh, but now it's really coming down to, okay, well, who are you going to fight? Because <laughs> another name that's being brought up now, too, is Jesse Vargas. And Jesse Vargas mm-hmm. actually contacted Bob Arum, and, or, or they said something in the media and um, Rock Nation con- or Kodo's people contacted Bob Arum, you know, just to 
get a feel or, you know, or, or get a feel of like if this was for real. And Bob Arum said, yeah, they, they want the fight. So uh, that could be a situation. But again, it, it's like, what is Cotto's MO at this point of his career? You know, he's a two-time welterweight champion. Um, he's a former junior middleweight champion, former middleweight champion. And at this point, it's like, are you going to go back down to 147, which in my opinion, might be a difficult task for him at this point. And, you know, we've seen what happened when Oscar De La Hoya tried to make welterweight after how many years? It was like 10 years, right? He hadn't made welterweight. And he fought Pacquiao, and we saw how that ended up, you know? So um, when you made a good point about Brooke as far as Brooke has more to gain than Cotto does because if Cotto beats Brooke, and let's just say for argument's sake it's that, full welterweight, no catchweight, and he wants to grab the title. Like, what does Cotto winning the IBF title really do for him at this point in his career? And and no disrespect to Kel Brook, but even Cotto beating Kel Brook, um, I, I don't know if that's like if 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 that's a win that's gonna propel Cotto's resume like that much further than it already is. You know, like I think Cotto right now can retire and likely be like first or second ballot Hall of Fame. But at the end of the day, you know, this is, a, you know, the boxing slash business. And we've uh-huh. seen how, you know, business transpires or, or, or business uh, goes forward with, with certain fights that, you know, a lot of us are like, you know, why is this fight being made? But then, you know, when you look at the dollar signs for whoever's getting what, it's like, okay. Um, yeah, Cotto's in a tough position, man. I mean, I think uh, – he might end up fighting like a Kirkland or, or a Provodnikov just like for like, a, a, you know, one of his Puerto Rican Day Parade fights, which a lot of the times, um, I want to say since the Margarito fight, because the Margarito fight was in July of 2008, but like prior to that and a little bit post that, the fights that he's had on the Puerto Rican Day Parade haven't been like competitive fights per se outside of you know whatever you, you want to think about the Martinez fight you know you know obviously we all knew Martinez wasn't 100% going to that fight but um it's not like he would be fighting like a Charlo or or one of those guys or, or, or J-Rock or one of those guys and, and I think Cotto Cotto is like probably beyond that but he's trying to find just like most fighters at his at the stage of his career like to match the money with the name but, again, like, Marquez, to me, seemed like not the perfect fit because, you know, you're still talking about the, the weight concerns, more so on Marquez's end, but mm-hmm. money, you know, uh, and, and, and who are you going to fight that's going to generate a lot of money and a lot of buzz, uh, you know, that, that, that's going to drive people to go – because, you, know, you know, people will go see Miguel Cotto fight, but, again, it's like Cotto's – Got, I want to say maybe two fights left in him, and, and I think he should call it a career. But I don't know if Brook or or even much less Vargas, depending on where the weight is. Like I don't know if those are fights that he would really get up for. So uh, yeah, I mean I, I'm not a hundred percent sure what's going to happen. I mean I think if anything, we're going to be finding out real soon because you know we're heading to the end of March coming into April, if he's going to be fighting in June, you know, they got to start training camps. They got to start whatever they're going to be starting pretty soon. So we'll, I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see as far as uh, you know, that's concerned. But 
Um, I guess off to this weekend, man. Um, before I mean, I don't want to go to the meat and potatoes of it all yet, but you know, speaking of Kell Brook, he's making um, his return back to the ring, and I want to say he hasn't been in the ring in quite some time now. I, mean, I feel like he's been a little dormant since. Um, since has he fought since the Porter fight? He has. I can't, uh, I can't. Yeah, I can't recall like who who he did fight. Yeah, he has. I mean, he did. Yeah, yeah, at, he actually has a couple yeah, when, fights when you, with Jordan and Frankie. Yeah, Dan. exactly. So when you when you look at that, you know, he did fight. Um, I apologize. He did fight. Uh, Frankie. Uh, Gavin. Frankie he Gavin. Fought, yeah. <clears throat> he fought Dan. Um. I in it, um, and you know he's had like since 2014, which was the summer mm-hmm. of 2014. He's fought twice in 2015. Yeah, um, one in March and one in May. May, yeah. He fought wow. He uh, fought like two months, two months back to back. Yeah, and um, it's a shame because here's a gentleman again who. You know, everybody thought that he was just going to you know lose and lay down against Sean Porter. He has a good showing against Sean Porter, and his phone's not blowing up. Everybody's yeah. like, uh, "Let's put the call in the and let's send let's send the call right in the, into voicemail," you know, because you know it was a situation where he pretty much, despite what everybody thinks, despite what everybody, what excuses they may bring up, which is fine, you know, Kel Brook put on a show against uh, Sean Porter, and Sean Porter was scaring a lot of people. I mean, here was a guy that, that you know, basically dismantled Paul Malinaji for the most part. You know, it's not really easy, but, like, he he beat him pretty bad. He was beating people bad. Like, people were, like, running yeah. the other way. So when he did that to when he did that to Sean Porter, if you think about it, his phone did not ring at all. As a matter yeah. of fact, when he was calling people, I believe his phone, he was, a lot of people were sending those, uh, calls and a voicemail. And the only reason why I say that is because he was a champion. He wanted to unify the belts. Forget Floyd, because Floyd was, at that point in time, we knew that Floyd was going to be on his way out. Yeah. Um, and he was going to, you know, fight the Pacquiao. And then, like we said, do the, the last day of work thing and not have a, mm-hmm. a hard assignment. So there were other people that Kel Brook was willing to fight. And... um you know, some of our other alphabet champions that did step up to the plate and that, you know, we can just run, it runs the gamut. But with that being said, um, here we are again, you know, this weekend and, you know, he fights a man, you know, uh, Kevin uh, Blitzer, you know, and everybody's probably like, well, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? And again, you know, here's, here's a guy that comes in with 25 wins and two losses and, and 17 knockouts, you know, and, you know, may not have as as glamour as a resume uh, or a name on it that, you know, we would like to see. Um, interesting enough, it seems like uh, he's been fighting in Canada the whole time, and, and besides his last fight, which was in the United States, you know, this fight is going to be in England. So, you know, similar to Andre Ward here who fights in Oakland, you know, he's only out of his 20, this is going to be his 20, um, let's just say his 28th fight, and, you know, this is the second one that's outside of uh, the Canadian border. So, you know, here's somebody that we don't know. But, again, the reason why I bring this up is 
is it really Kelbrook fault? Yeah, it is his fault. He beat he beat Porter. <laughs> you know, <laughs> guilty as charged. You know, he beat Porter. Porter was kind of like the man at that point. They were like, oh, crap, you know, keep your women and, and children away from him. This guy's a killer. Then he goes and he beats Porter, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Oh, no, we don't want any parts of this guy either. You know, he's not. he may not be the killer as as Porter, but this guy is kind of tactical with the with, with the stuff that he has. So let's right. let's kind of stay away from him as well. So again, I I say that to say all that to say is that you know we're here now because you know those phone calls were sent to voicemail and it happened because Kel Brook did a pretty decent job of beating up Porter. And and it's funny because you know you think about one of the big welterweight fights that's going to happen later this summer and it's. It's including uh, Sean Porter, you know, and and you made a good point where it's uh, prior to that fight. I mean, look, he went through uh, Devin Alexander and Pauli Malignaggi, and it's more. I wouldn't have seen more so the Alexander fight where there were more more people than not picking Alexander to beat Porter, you know, and after coming off of that fight. He goes in and knocks out Pauli Malignaggi. Now, while mind you, isn't something to go run and run home to mom about, but not a lot of people have knocked Malignaggi out. Not even a prime Cotto um, at, at junior middle at, at junior welterweight. So I mean, even with that being said, pat on the back, right? But then he fights Kel Brook, and that was kind of a, at least for me, it was kind of okay. What does Brook really have? And showed us, you know. Now. Did Porter have some moments in the fight? Yeah, but I, I think anybody who understands boxing would probably would likely say Brook won that fight rather handily, you know. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that he's kind of like the the, the black sheep of the the ABC belt situation in uh, at welterweight because you know you got Danny, who's the WBC, you got Keith Thurman. Uh, and then you got Jesse Vargas, fine. But even with Jesse Vargas, you can go as far as to say, well, damn, you know what? He was getting beat by, um, he was getting beat by Bradley. Almost knocked him out in the end. Then gets a title shot, you know, due to circumstances with with Bradley, you know, dropping the title. Goes in there with who I thought was going to beat Jesse Vargas and Saddam Ali, a highly touted, um, I mean, you could say prospect, but I mean, I think he was already coming over that hump of being a prospect. I mean, you know, people in the in the game know who Saddam Ali is and know and knew who he was even before then. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, goes in there and stops him. So, it, you know, every fight does change the perception of the landscape of the, of the division. So, Brooke, and maybe it's because he's in the U.K., and, you know, that's just how things are sometimes. But, yeah, I do think that he's in, he's in a position where, like, I think either he or his management have to really make some major concessions to try to make these big fights because I think coming off of, uh, you know, uh, beating uh, Bazir this weekend, and you know if that does occur, he he has to get in there with some of these big names, man. And you know, you think about you know he says he wants to uh, a unification fight with Danny. I'd love to see that. 
Um, even a fight with Jesse Vargas. I'd love to see that. You know, but they need to make those type of fights happen. You know, I don't think he can really afford to keep if he, if he wants to not only make the money for these big fights, but I mean really to get the recognition. Um, and on top, he's an undefeated <clears throat> champion. You know, which is you know far and few between. So how do we so, get here? But, but think about what you just said. How did we? You know. You had mentioned a name earlier, and it's funny. You had mentioned how Amir Khan. You had mentioned him, right? Uh, well, in relation to yeah, like not not fighting Brook yet, yeah. Exactly. Now, again, this is what I'm saying, and I and I wanted to stop you there just so people can get an understanding. Here's a guy that chased Floyd down, you know, kind of like stalked him. I mean, everybody knew Floyd was on his way out, but Kel Brook has been begging Amir Khan to fight him. So, yeah, everybody's giving Amir Khan props for moving up and fighting Canelo. <laughs> you know, and I understand there's probably some money to be made there, but, you know, again, Kel Brook has no dancing partner. So now, again, here, here goes that triangle I was telling you about, you know, mm-hmm. the, the guy that beats the killer, and it's like, oh, I don't want no parts of this. Send, send a message to voicemail. It's just funny you said that because I was thinking about I was thinking about uh, American, but I'm sorry. Carry on. No, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I think the thing with Khan is, like you said, I mean, I think it's a money grab. Does Khan is he going in there thinking he could beat Canelo? Maybe, but I think in the situation with Brook, it's probably he's probably looking at it like, well, I'm not going to get paid as much, and I'm thinking, and, and I'm almost guaranteeing. That's why the Canelo fight got made so quick because they threw him a dollar sign. They threw him a figure he just couldn't turn down, you know. And I'm hearing seven, eight million dollars, and it's like honestly, it I, it would probably be hard for me to turn down. Even looking at a guy that may outweigh me by twenty pounds tonight of the fight, um, I, I I think the unfortunate thing with Brookman is like yeah, he's kind of left out in the dust for right now. Um, but I, I think if he wants to make a splash, not, not, I mean, not only in the UK, they know who he is, but especially in the United States, they got to try to somehow position him into like calling these guys out or, or, or getting there and saying, you know what, like, even if it's not Khan, you know, get at these champions and try in some fashion to unify because the welterweight division, I mean, it's, it's hard to say that it's, Stacked with a, a lot of talent. I think that the people who are champions are talented fighters, but it's a whole thing of matching one another. How easy that's going to be, I don't know. But I think for Brooke, I mean, I would pick him to win this weekend. I haven't seen much of his year. I've seen a, a couple of fights. I mean, he did fight Nate Campbell, um, which I did watch. He beat him. But, you know, again, this is Nate Campbell, like, post. <laughs> you know, so... Um, I mean, he's, he's expected to win. I think for his sake, though, considering Brooke hasn't, this is, he's been like 10 months inactive. Um, and I don't know if this is obviously, again, reverting back to like him not being able to get any fights or them, you know, wanting to get them near con fight or if they promise this or that. But I think following this fight, they got to, especially, you know, hitting to the tail end of 2016, they got to make some type of move that's going to, um, Put him into a position where, you know, people are going to start looking like, wow, this guy might be one of the top welterweights. It's not already, you know, like they, they, they really got to match these guys up. So I'm picking Brooks to win this weekend. He should. 
but, it, it, you know, the only slight thing that concerns me is he's just been inactive for, like, close to a year. How that plays out, I don't think it'll be – I shouldn't I, – I don't think it'll be – but, you know, we've seen other things uh, transpire as far as uh, lengthy times off. So um, it's, it's pretty interesting. much – I'm going to agree with you. Um, as we talk about how um, this fight is probably more about – or this weekend is more about talent that's been inactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, good point. You know, one 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 being Kell Brook because no dancing partner, maybe you know a few nicks and bruises here. The other one is because of promotional problems, and maybe a few nicks and bruises here. But when I look at uh, and no disrespect to Blitzer uh, or Barrera, but when I look at Blitzer's record, you know I see I see a guy that lost two has two losses, and two of his losses are against the same guy, and they're both split decisions. So, it's, 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 it's not to say, like I said before, when we start peeling back the layers of the onion, I don't, besides Nick Campbell, I don't see, and I can only go by what, what I've, you know, what I have in front of me. I can only, I don't see any big names on his resume. Doesn't mean that he's yeah. not good, but with that being said, we're talking about a guy in Kell Brook that people are just basically going north. And staying and and sending the, sending the calls to voicemail to avoid. So with that being said, I don't see Kell Brook knocking him out, but I do see Kell Brook thoroughly dominating this fight mm-hmm. and winning it in a split decision. Um, you know, Kell Brook is very. You know, one thing about boxing. Um, you know, everybody says, "Oh, you keep your punching power. You keep your punching power." But you know, somebody like Kell Brook, man, reminds me of. Uh, you know, the old school fighters, man, he's just going to always stay sharp. You know, he's going to stay sharp. He's going to stick to his discipline. And um, whether it's nine months or whether it's two months or three months, you know, I think that he's pretty much going to be Kell Brook, and I don't expect mm-hmm. anything less than that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, on to uh, matters at hand for this weekend, the, the main fight that we um... – I've been waiting for <laughs> um, the return of Andre Ward. Uh, makes his return after uh, close to nine months uh, absence. He was supposed to come back uh, during the Cotto Canelo undercard. Had, a, I believe, a knee, a knee injury. Uh-huh. And um, is fighting a guy who probably was a better opponent than he was set to face back in November in that of Sullivan Barrera. Now, a lot of people aren't familiar with Sullivan Barrera. He's um, a Cuban defect. Uh, he's training, ironically, with Abel Sanchez, who's the uh, Triple G's trainer. So there's that, there's that kind of, uh, you know, little little storyline as far as that's concerned. Um, yeah, this is, um, like you said, man, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting you put it, you put it that way as far as, uh, you know, the weekend of, um, you know, inactive fighters or, or popular well, very well known inactive fighters. Well, in this case with Andre Ward, who's by some, I mean, Ring Magazine and some in ESPN have him at number four pound for pound. But some people even to this day have him at number one. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so you know, so again, man. I mean, I, we all know the 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 Andre Ward story. You know, I mean, he's been a fighter that. Uh, even during the time of when Floyd was reigning as the pound for pound king, 
you know, Andre Ward has always been looked at as the predecessor. Or no, I'm sorry, as the, you know, the the guy to follow Floyd, you know, into retirement and he'll, you know, hold that crown, you know, because of the skill set, because of what he's already done and accomplished with the Super Six and uh but you know he's obviously ran into roadblocks or he ran into roadblocks with uh his former promoter uh has had a couple of injuries that has made the last four years or close to four years like pretty inactive for somebody um as highly touted as uh as Andre Ward has been so in comes um Sullivan Barrera. Now, Sullivan Barrera is a fighter that, like I said, not many are familiar with. I've gotten a chance to watch a few of his fights. The, um, this, I mean, I, I will flat out say this is Andre Ward's fight to lose in the sense of, you know, he should have this in the bag. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if any, it, it, it's the only thing that I think would disrupt anything is if he does show major ring rust. Now, we thought that would maybe transpire back in June. Didn't really play out that way. He, you know, he looked sharp. You know, people will say yeah, he wasn't really fighting anybody. Um, with Sullivan Barrero, just like how you mentioned with Bazir, doesn't have a riddled resume of killers or, 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 or top-level guys that you could say, well, you know what? He's gone through A, B, C, and D, and now he's fighting, you know, the pinnacle. Um, on the other flip side is this is Andre Ward's official first fight at a full light heavyweight, you know, which is another storyline as it pertains to his potential future, you know, when we talk about Sergey Kovalev. So this is kind of, uh, would you say, a dress rehearsal for what could be later in the year a mega fight. Um, Andre Ward, man, I mean, I, I, you know, R.O.D., man, I mean, I know you're a big fan. I'm a big fan as well. I'm excited to see him back in the ring and seeing how he looks now after, you know, the injury that he, he suffered and now with the mind state of saying, you know what, I, I'm, I, and, and this is a, a position he hasn't been in a really long time is look, looking – you don't want to look ahead, but at the same time, you know, Andre Ward is in a position now where it's like, wow, you know, he's going to be, he's trying to position himself into the biggest fight of his career, but at the same time, how is he going to look Saturday night? So, I mean, what do you expect out of him um, in this fight? Well, I expect Andre Ward to have some periods of, um, you know, filling out his man a little bit more, a little bit more boxing. Um, only because of the inactivity, but we got to remember, man, inactivity, when you're talking about the life of an athlete, and this is a double-edged sword, so I, I just want to put this out there. This is not like what we call Michael Jordan inactivity, and, and, and let me clarify it so for those who don't know history. About 20 years ago, Michael Jordan retired from basketball went to baseball, sent the facts, and said, I'm back. Everybody knows who Michael Jordan is. Comes back to base, comes back from basketball, insert him right in the playoffs, and he looks horrible. Mm-hmm. Not like the Michael Jordan we know and love. Right. So what hurt him was the inactivity. 
Why did the inactivity hurt him? This is the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. Why did it hurt him? Because he was playing baseball. He wasn't doing anything else. The one thing I could say about the inactivity we're talking about with an Andre Ward is you're talking about a gentleman, man, that's been kind of like boxing all his life, um, who's probably been, you know, been undefeated since for a very long time since he's been in the amateurs. And I still believe he was probably training uh, and getting good rounds in, although he didn't pick up, you know, a glove into or gloves, a pair of gloves in 2014, or didn't fight anybody like Barrera. So I want to caution because inactivity can be like a loaded or 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 misleading word because you know it's not like Andre Ward is coming back like Jordan did from baseball to basketball right in the playoffs. Like I don't right. think that's the case. I think that you know here's a guy that 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 has probably been active, more active than we think he's been. And I think that he's going to – what I expect on Saturday is I expect him to carry himself in the same manner he's carried himself before. It might take him a round or two, but I expect him to, to – to, it'd be business as usual. Now, the one thing you mentioned is, 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 the, is the Cuban defector, uh, you know, situation. And if anybody knows this, you know – uh, what's our buddy named the heavyweight? Um, Luis Ortiz. What's his name again? Luis Ortiz. Exactly. You know, and I'm not making a nationality thing, but when you look at the Olympics, you know, some of our biggest, you know, competition or the competition in general is from Cuba. Cubans, yeah. Yes, these guys can fight, man. Um, although Crawford beat them, Gamboa was giving Crawford the business. Care mm-hmm. what anybody say? He was beating him, but he was giving him problems. He was getting hit with shots. <laughs> yeah, he shots. Shot. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of cute. Listen, Laura, another guy. Everybody talks about Triple G. Triple G wants no parts of Laura. You know, it, it, you know these guys, man, are very. It, it's sort of like, like I said before, it's sort of like you know. When, when we talk about basketball, we talk about the Dirk Nowinskis or the Sabonises, how you have these guys, you know, that are just – or the Greek freak, man, these guys that are just, like, tall and they have guard skills. You know, they can shoot from the outside and, and they can put the ball on the ground. And, you know, why? Because these guys have been skilled and in, in, in schooled at such a young age to think, you know – and move like professionals, you know what I mean, and do things that we call, you know, great, but to do it in a way where you say, hey, that position is not supposed to do this, you know, this position is supposed to do what you're doing, you know, and and, and now, you know, Dirk is one of the all-time leading scorers, the Greek freak is is moving up there, and, and so bonus is, is you know, a, a, a great, you know, in, in the Olympics, and I say that to say is that these this Cuban boxing school defecting or deflecting class that we talk about has really been schooled really, really well. They know mm-hmm. how to box. They know how to slug. They know how to move. Rigondeau, perfect example. You know, probably one of the greatest amateur boxers ever. They, you know, this, these guys, man, can really fight. So this fight isn't as easy as a normal, as we would typically believe that, because, you know, I'm a big Andre Ward fan. Right. And 
I don't think that this fight is easy for him, although I think it's business as usual. But if Andre Ward gets caught up in trying to fight something other than his fight, he could possibly lose his fight. I want to make that very clear because of what I just told you guys. You know, the, the Cuban boxers, man, they are very well schooled. What they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're seasoned. And this is this is not anything. This is not anything. This is not Paul Smith. He's going against. No disrespect. You know this. Is, you, that's what that. I mean, you know, you make a good point with that. That's that's kind of the thing with this fight. Which when it, when they announced who it was, like I had seen Sullivan Barrera fight before they announced the fight. And when they announced it, I was like, whoa, okay. Because that to me is a leap from Paul Smith. But I I think for Ward, and it says a lot about Ward because, um. You know, Warren's a guy that wants to challenge himself, you know, and I think he's, I mean, and it's the super 60 cent anything, it's been that. I mean, you look at all the guys that he fought within, what, like a, a five-month span each time or six-month span each time, and he was fighting former champions to, to world champions and so forth, like, every six months. Um, the situation now, yeah, like, Sullivan Barrera is a, a very, very skilled fighter, does he have the resume to show it? No. But let's go back to Rigondeaux. Rigondeaux before Donaire didn't have the resume, though we saw the skill. It wasn't until, and this happens, and this is, this is why boxing is so great, is because you really find out about a fighter when he gets in there with another top-level fighter. It always happens, <laughs> you know? The cream always rises to the top. And I think for Andre Ward... It's it's a situation I think where he's you know to 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 go back to the to the Cuban style I think for I think one thing that sometimes you see and and I'll probably exclude Gamboa out of this because he's kind of a, in relation to like the the Rigondeaux and the Laras even the Luis Ortizes who in his last fight was more of a fighter that controlled the pace more than push the pace, if that makes any sense. Like, he's a very comfortable, like, he can get in a, in a comfort zone, as opposed to, like, some people thinking he's just going to go in there and knock somebody out. Like, he really didn't do that to Tony Thompson. Though Tony Thompson, you know, always, like, an awkward type of guy, you know? Like, not the easiest guy to fight. Not to say, like, he he would beat you. It's just uh, um, he's a difficult guy to fight. I and mean, that's kind of been, like, his thing throughout his career. Um, with, with, with Andre Ward, I mean, he's been a pro for so long, and it's like the, the name of the game is adjusting, you know, and, and, and he knows how to do that. He's shown he knows how to do that. But has Barrera been in there with somebody that can do that? And what will he do to offset that? So, I mean, it's an interesting fight, man. I mean, I think it's an interesting fight because we know it, it's not going to be – um, a slugfest type of fight. I mean, this is going to be two very skilled guys matching their matching their skill, which is boxing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I mean, and I think even even in the case for Sullivan Barrera, now a lot of people don't know this too, and I found this out today. Sullivan Barrera was the mandatory for Sergey Kovalev, one of the titles. He turned that fight down to fight Andre Ward. I don't, I don't know the full, full length as to like why he did that, but I mean, I found that, I found that rather interesting. But 
when you look at when you look at the size and the reach and everything, I mean, they match up pretty well. You know, Andre Ward's not a small guy. Um, even for super midway, I think he's like is he like six one, something like that. Six one, yeah. Six one. He's got a, like a decent sized reach. I mean, he's a, Ward's not a small guy, man. Which is, I think, why he'll fill fill into light heavyweight pretty well. Um, but I, I I think for Ward, man, I, I I think he has to have a very solid outing, and and I think really to maybe get some of the the skeptics and some of the people who right now are writing him off in a fight with Kovalev, you know, um, in a fight that I still kind of look at 50-50 right now. That could change Saturday night <laughs> as far as how he looks. But, you know, I'm picking Andre Ward to win a, a, a unanimous decision um, in a fight that I think at times Barrera is going to show, like, okay, you're not you're in there with some tough competition, which again brings me back to the ability that Andre Ward has to adjust. Because I mean, he has different facets of this game, man, and that I think uh, sometimes get forgotten when when you think about you know what Andre Ward can do in the ring. But um, I yeah, I like Andre Ward in this fight. Um, I think down the stretch, I think he's gonna just the experience is gonna come in. You know the you know being a guy that's been the arguably the best super middleweight in the last like 15 years if you want to go that far um but yeah i mean I, i'm excited for the fight man i mean i i think this is uh a, a very good fight for to gauge where andre ward is right now in his career and really to gauge where he's at in relation to fighting sergey kovalev because i think at the end at the very end of the day where the people you know say oh you can't look past you know, people are looking at this fight because of what it could lead to. I mean, I don't think there's any secret about that. And I did hear as well today that Sergey Kovalev will be in the building uh, that night. So, um, you know, everything's already starting to get set up. But, you know, obviously Andre Ward has a task at hand Saturday night. And I can't wait for the fight, man. So um, I'm assuming – well, you already said you got, you know, you got Ward um, winning the fight. But um, – you, you, are you picking by by a decision? I'm picking by a decision. You know, when when you think about it, man, I, I really believe that Andre Ward is going to be re-energized this weekend. And remember right. that word when we talk about motivation. I think that he right. has something to prove. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, a lot of people have been saying this and that in him. But, you know, one of the things we do know is this guy can really hold his own. He can fight. And I think it's going to be on display this weekend. You know, he's going to try to uh, – prove that, you know, we're not going to miss Floyd, Manny, and a lot of these other guys um, by them being gone. I think that he's going to really put on on Saturday, and it's going to be pretty good. I think it's going to be an entertaining fight. And, you know, like I said, what a way to come back, man, to get thrown right into the ocean Yep. when you when you come back. And, you know, don't be fooled. You know, this guy's 32. A lot of people may look at it. Yeah, he's 32. But again, you know he's he's a um, he's he's from that Cuban boxing school, man, and where age really doesn't mean anything, and nope. all that experience, man, means a whole lot. So I'm yeah. picking for by by um, unanimous decision. Um, too many intangibles, too many um, tricks to pull out the hat, yeah. and um, 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how we'll see how it works out, you know. But again, I'm basing this on the Andre Ward that we know and love, you know. Now, if Andre Ward goes in there trying to be, you know, you know, Mike Tyson or Elvin Valerio, then you know, <laughs> you know, that's something that's something that we're not really, you know, counting on. But other than that, man. You know, only thing I see the difference is, is that power, you know, would go to Barrera. But other than that, you know, defense, experience, speed, craftiness, you know, intangibles will all have to go to Andre Ward if you're going to look at it on paper. Right. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I got I got Ward winning that fight. I, I like I said, like you said, it, I think it's me. Um, an entertaining fight, um, not a slugfest, but I think for the boxing pundits, I mean, this is, like I said, two very skilled guys going at it, one guy being the more experienced, um, award, obviously, and then with Barrera. Um, you, know, it, 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 you know, it's interesting because it's like, like I said, I've seen Barrera fight, but certain fighters sometimes turn the notch up when they go up in competition, some, some fall, you know, and that's why it's, you know, a, a fighter's really tested in a sense when they get in there with top level competition as far as not only physically but mentally how they handle adversity, you know, because Barrera is going to face it in this fight and it's really going to be a test with him to see how he can adjust. On top of, interestingly enough, how Abel Sanchez gives instructions in the corner, as again, because people are going to be, they're going to be drawing the correlation as to like, oh, well, what if Golovkin were in the corner that had what instructions is he giving them? And so, though at the end of the day, it does come down to the fighters and and instincts and, and thinking at the drop of a dime. Uh, but again, this is why Andre Ward is where he's at now. On the undercard, um, starting th- that card is going to be in very what I, I think could be. I don't know if a show stealer, but I think it's going to be a very entertaining fight, which is going to be Joseph Diaz and Jason Velez, uh, a featherweight fight. Um, Joseph Diaz is an up-and-coming uh, fighter. He, he fought in the Olympics as a bantamweight. Uh, he's making his debut on HBO, and I believe he's, he's a Golden Boy fighter, and he's, he's going to be fighting Jason Velez. And, you know, I've been hearing a lot about this kid. I've seen him fight a few times. But, you know, they're trying to give him the push, so that's going to open up the card. So that should be an entertaining fight um, feather to, uh, you know, at featherweight. So um, that's pretty much the show for this week. Uh, next week, you know, we'll be talking about, you know, the outcomes of both fights, and then we're going to be doing the preview of Adrian Broner versus Ashley Theophane that is taking place, ironically, on April Fool's Day. <laughs> so, you know, when I saw that, I was like, wow, that can't... Right, right, right. And I don't know, I don't know if you got a chance to see um, Broner's antics on... on, on uh, well, I think you tagged me on one, and my man tagged me on another, the whole little Walmart incident. And then he did another video where he was standing, he was, like, trying to be a maitre d' at a restaurant and, like, you know, bringing people in, giving them giving them menus and stuff. So it's like, you know, you start to wonder, like, all right, how serious are you taking this fight? Because, you know, we talk about Broner. It's weird. And we talk about, you know, Broner's the WBA champion. You know, and like, that kind of gets lost in the midst of things where when we talk about the 140-pound division and we talk about Crawford and Postol and Mauricio Herrera, who's fighting on the undercard of, uh, 
I forgot who he's fighting. He's fighting somebody on the undercard of uh, it's not Matisse, it's um, somebody on the undercard of Cotto Canelo. I mean, Canelo Khan. Um, and well, I guess that's another thing too. They announced the card, uh, the the full undercard for uh, for Canelo Khan this week. We'll we'll talk more about that. There's still time to talk about that fight. But um, yeah, next week we'll be discussing the fights. Uh, Broner versus Theophane. Um And then, like I said, leading into April, man, and into May, there's a lot of fights coming up. Um, there's even fights coming up in May uh, co- uh, concerning, uh, you know, Austin Trout and Jamal Charlo, oh. or, Jamal, or Jamal Charlo, which is going to be IBF, um, IBF title fight. So there's a lot of fights, man. So we're, we're, we're getting into the, the, the thick of things for uh, the springtime. So um, make sure to tune in to HBO uh, this weekend. I believe Showtime is going to be showing the um, the Kell Brook fight, which will take place at, you know, 4 o'clock in the afternoon and, you know, likely with the replay later on Showtime. So, um, yeah, that's our show for this week, man. Anything you want to end off with You want before we wrap up? Yeah, please tell Shane Moosey not to come back. Oh, man, I know you saw that link today where Roberto Duran is apparently training him. Oh, my goodness, man. Please. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Please. You know, the song, remember the song Nas had trapped in the 90s? Oh, but the, 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 you mean the, the, the lead song on uh, Life is Good? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes, man, you know, our 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 fighters are, are trapped in the 90s. <laughs> You know, well, it, for Shane, it's literally because that's like when he was in his, like, at 135, it was like 98, right? 99, right? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's crazy. It, wow, that, know, you, that's crazy. You, you had a great career, man. It was awesome. Let that thing just marinate. Yeah, man. It, it's And he, they're talking about a title fight. Mm-hmm. Like, who's he going to fight? At, 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 like, which... which Kind of worries me when I when I start to pick and you know when I think of guys like you know Danny Garcia and all these other guys that don't have opponents. I'm like, oh please God, no please please. Okay. <laughs> please. <laughs> so man, yeah. So that's our show for this week, man. Make sure to follow us at Guard Your Grill Boxing on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at Roberto underscore Flack on Twitter and Instagram. So uh, we'll be back next week discussing the fights, and then we'll give our insight for uh, Broner versus Theophane. So until next week, salute, and I'm out of here, man. We're out of here. Yep, yep.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere. Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.